0: Hey everybody, welcome to Tech Thoughts, a show about tech advice, a short how-to, and why you should care.
1: Uh, I'm Jade, the one who is surprised Art forgot an intro after many weeks.
0: (laughs) You still have to say you're the smart one, or it doesn't
1: work. Oh, and I guess I'm smart too, that too, that too.
0: And I'm Art, the cute one, and it should be expected of me to forget the intro after many weeks, because I'm the cute one.
1: Yeah, but guess what? Disclaimer, we are both smart and cute.
0: So we have a lot for you guys today, and we want to get right into it. But first, as usual, we have to do our social media plugs. So, so if you're looking for us off of the show, um, you can find us at our Instagram at Tech Thoughts Podcast. We do live shows uh, every Friday at 8 p.m. ET. Go home. Um, or you can find us at our website, which will probably soon be retired. But for the meantime, is
1: we're not retiring the website, but we're it's retiring
0: th- we're retiring the uh the the name of it, but uh.
1: In the meantime, it's breadnet.xyz slash podcast.
0: Uh, So as you may have noticed, uh, this episode actually doesn't have a number. And the reason for that is because it's a bonus episode. And this is actually our first episode with a guest. um, So uh, Lexi, would you mind introducing yourself?
2: Yes. Hello. My name is Lexi. I am a trust and safety engineer for GitHub. Uh, so what that means is I build features and also give talks and workshops and advise on other features to uh, try to keep people safe on the internet. Yeah. Safe from each other, generally.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. And so we really wanted to reach out to Lexi to do an episode and talk to us for the podcast because obviously trust and safety kind of are the whole thing with the privacy arc is that where we want to be able to tell people, like, how to keep themselves safe on the internet. Um, so, yeah, we're really glad to
1: have you with us.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, glad to be here. Yeah. Jade, <laughs> help.
1: Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. Um, so, so also, as a, as a bit of a, a bit of disclaimer, we have notes on what we're about to talk about. Um, I don't mind telling the audience that. It's fine. <laughs> Um, And I've been I've been absolutely staring at like all of these just because the TikTok one's really interesting. Um, Yeah. So I know you're going to go over um, like privacy settings on social media platforms. Um, And again, I'm extremely interested because some of these seem a little counterintuitive.
2: Yeah, I'd love to talk about all that.
0: Yeah. Um, So honestly, uh, feel free to get started wherever you want. And we'll just sort of pitch in with questions um, that we might have as you talk, if that's cool.
2: Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. So like I said, my job is to build features. So the, uh, let me back up a little bit. Trust and safety as an industry uh, is a few different things. There are folks in policy who uh, set the platform policy, and there's a lot of discussion and uh, disagreement and actively ongoing research Um in, in what policy is best. And then there are folks who actively seek out bad content to take it down. Um, mm-hmm. And those folks are generally more machine learning folks. They are they are deep in like, what does bad content actually look like? How do we moderate bad content? There are also folks who actually do the moderation. So that's a whole nother portion. Um, they usually live in like the support or, or content moderation arm of the company. What I do just to separate, like define my job is I am a trust and safety engineer who builds features. So my whole thing is that for any given feature that my platform, I work for GitHub. So Mm -hmm. GitHub is uh, a website where coders go and programmers and everybody else who is involved in building software. So that's also product designers and product managers and like people who care about tech, I think. They all go and they all build software together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... Anyway, whenever any of my coworkers is building a feature or our other teams or whenever my team is building a feature, um, it is our job to look at that feature and say, how is this going to promote privacy, promote agency of the user over their own stuff and over sort of their experience online and their information? And also, how is this, how can we use uh, or how, how can we design this feature to encourage good behavior and discourage bad behavior on the internet for whatever that means. And usually good behavior is something like on, on our platform, it's contributing code or contributing critique of code or contributing ideas, um, or like discussing ideas about the code or the, the software. Bad behavior can be spam. It can be harassment. Um, it can be racism or sexism or transphobia, all that sort of stuff. Um, Or or also like bad behavior can also sort of be just off topic, like, you know, you post a question in the wrong forum, you know, we won't moderate that per se, but we also we want to guide users to sort of the happy path.
0: Yeah, you want the behavior to be constructive.
2: Yeah, exactly. We we want the behavior to be building happy and healthy communities, whatever that means. So also, not everything on GitHub is code. Um, you know, one of my coworkers have, has this wonderful repository on GitHub where she talks about one of the trips that she went on, mm-hmm. uh, and that's super cool. But different people have different thoughts about that, um, and so there has been like some harassment of her around that and that's definitely bad behavior you know yeah. so so we want people to be able to you know within our community guidelines so you're not allowed to build something that is just straight racist um but we you know within the community guidelines we want people to be able to build these like wonderful positive things that that they want to build yeah <laughs> and
0: so like every website does every website have like something like that basically
2: something like terms of service or community guidelines yeah yeah um yes, sort of. So every website should, in my <laughs> opinion and and the websites that I'm talking about today um, so today I wanted to come on the podcast uh, and talk about the features that I build a little bit, although like uh, GitHub is a little bit niche and may- maybe less interesting for folks, but I-, I can talk about like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and TikTok, although I want to give a disclaimer I know Less about TikTok. I did do some research for this for my appearance here today, but I do know <laughs> less about TikTok. Um, so fair. apologies. I'll, I'll try to be upfront if I don't know the answer to something. That's fair. But yeah, so of those five and plus GitHub makes six. Um, yes, every every one of those websites has terms of service. They all have things that you're allowed to do and things that you're not allowed to do. Um, for to bring in another example, though, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. Like. 4chan uh, oh. sort of prides itself in not having term- they they might actually now that I think about it, they might have a terms of service but they really pride themselves in not having a strong and very prescriptive terms of service and I have a lot of thoughts about what that means but I don't know if y'all want to go down that rabbit hole
1: <laughs> I, I'd be interested, um, I do know that like 4chan split itself in half kind of um, putting like some of their worst content on like 4chan proper and then like oh. some some of their like less horrible content on four channel. Oh, yeah. I
2: didn't know that. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting, uh, the, the, the sort of the history of platforms developing terms of service and also some, like what we separate out. And I think probably some other platforms do, although I don't know this off the top of my head. Um, we separate terms of service and community guidelines. Interesting. So, yeah. So, terms of service, and actually, one of my um, coworkers, Ben Balter, Ben Balter benbalter.com, I think, or dot io, I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a whole blog post on this. But um, terms of service is basically usually not much more than don't do anything illegal on our platform. Okay, fair um, enough. <laughs> and that gets a little bit that gets a little bit interesting when you talk about like illegal in what country or illegal in like what jurisdiction. But you know, I want to leave that aside because I I can't speak on law, but yeah, terms of service is typically don't do anything illegal. Mm-hmm. Then you have community guidelines, um, which for us is a, another layer on top of the terms of service that is more prescriptive about like, you know, in GitHub's case, GitHub is a place for work. Um, it is not. So, so here's where I'm going to absolutely open a can of worms. So again, mm-hmm. feel free to stop me or like edit this out if you want. But GitHub is not and, and a lot of these uh, websites have, have realized that they are not just a place for, quote unquote, free speech. Oh, so man. let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there let's you know. talk so about that. Over over the past um, four or five years or so, there has been this huge debate. I mean, you know, free speech has always been a big thing. Mm-hmm. But over the past specifically, like, five or so years, there has been this big reckoning with what is free speech on the internet? And I think more specifically like, what um, obligation or like what should websites and specifically like privately owned websites like Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, what level of free speech should they allow? And I think specifically Twitter and Reddit are two that come to mind who originally and like as of five years ago or so, were absolutely like, we believe in free speech we yeah. will not censor racism we will not censor like nazis per se except in germany because there they have to um like we we are a free speech platform and this there was this big feeling of of like quote who are we to decide what is free speech i personally have always absolutely railed against that because i think at the point like I'm sorry, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, CEOs of Facebook and Twitter. Like, if you don't believe you're someone who should be dictating what gets said online, then you should not be the CEO of this international bajillion dollar company. Like, yeah. who are we to decide? Well, I mean, I kind of agree that like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg should not be making these decisions single-handedly, but also the fact is at, at the um, scale of these platforms, they by by not making a decision, they are making some sort of decision.
0: Yeah, and I think this really applies to like Facebook and the sort of like recent controversy about the way that Facebook like doesn't censure like blatant misinformation on their platform. Yeah, um, and it's just like, but you. There's some interesting
2: you, caveats around that, but yeah.
0: yeah, but like not in in not doing that, like you have in choosing to stay silent, like you have chosen a side, and I think exactly. this also because you mentioned Reddit, I think this story this this. Uh, this came up very recently around sort of like the Black Lives Matter, like the resurgence mm-hmm. of the Black Lives Matter um, movement, where Reddit finally sort of like did take a stance and did like ban a bunch of like their hate filled subreddits um, and decided that like definitively that they would not stand with this, which like you said is a completely different thing than five years ago where like yes,
2: yeah, yes. And let me tell you, every platform that I I, I have a network and I have folks that I've talked to at every platform. Every platform had some moment that was its reckoning. Mm-hmm. For GitHub, it was Gamergate. Uh, so I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with Gamergate. <sighs> oh or if the folks my home. God, Gamergate. <laughs> yeah. So so content warning. If anyone decide if any of our listeners decide to Google Gamergate, um, it is it was this huge movement and awful, vitriolic ball of awfulness. Um, there's actually some. There's an interesting uh, YouTube series on it, which I don't. Maybe you can put it in the show notes at some point because I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's like a really good, like five video explainer on Gamergate. But the TLDR is that there was anger, there was misogyny, there was someone, someone said something about like journalism in games, but it was also like really misogyny based um, from what I can tell. And it was a little bit before my time with GitHub and frankly, my time being as online as I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, But Gamergate was GitHub's reckoning. So at one point like the Gamergate movement got banned from somewhere or maybe they didn't get I don't know, something happened there. Yeah. And then Gamergate came to GitHub and there was just this huge amount of like vitriolic harassment on GitHub and GitHub as a company did stand up and I'm like, you know, I'm proud of them for doing this. This was before mm-hmm. my time. Um did stand up and say this is not cool. We are going to build a trust and safety team, a trust and safety engineering team, which was like pretty rare for its time. This was, I think, 2015 or 2014. It was definitely before 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, But but they were like, yeah, we're going to build a team of engineers who is going to make features on GitHub that's going to keep people safe. And some of those features included. um, So one thing that was happening was that when you invite someone to a repo, a repo on GitHub is is like a place where people gather to build Mm -hmm. some code Um, when you invited someone to a repo before this team. it, it, they would just add them. And so some, one thing that people were doing was making a repository with really transphobic names. Um, so when I give talks, I, I uh, scrub that and say, like, you know, as an example, the repo name could be I hate dogs, mm-hmm. and I love dogs. Um, but the The repo name could be I Hate Dogs. And then if they invite me to it, that repo name will actually show up on my profile because I am now a member of that community. Oh. So, yeah. So people were creating these repos with super transphobic names and inviting people, uh, like trans people to them. And Mm -hmm. then that super awful slogan or whatever slur would show up on their page. So one thing, the first thing that they built was this concept of a repo invitation, where in order to be added to the repo you had to say yes, I do want to participate in this. And if you did want to say no, or or like if you wanted to say no and absolutely like get this person out of my life on this website, you could also block them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just sprinkling in like consent at all was was a big thing that this team did. Um, fast forward to 2016, this was the big moment of reckoning for, in my opinion, Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook. That makes um, sense. where in the election, like, and, and the aftermath of the, ele- of the 2016 U.S. election, presidential election, um, a lot of these websites, a lot of these companies with websites realized what had gone wrong or like not all of what had gone wrong, but th- they realized that things had gone very, very wrong. Um, and so they too started really switching over from like we are a free speech platform because I think another thing that they've realized is when you just say like I we are a free speech platform what you end up actually getting is a whole lot of vitriol and hate speech which drowns out other speech yeah um, especially because, in a
0: community like reddit where it's like it's about upvotes and like if everything yes. like it sort of creates this like hive mind where like everything just sort of like gets pushed yeah. down otherwise yeah
2: yeah. And that's an interesting, so like, yeah, I mean, I could talk all day about those different features and like platform incentives. Um, what are you incentivizing? Uh, you know, on Twitter, Twitter really does incentivize like hot takes that are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how else to explain other than a hot, hot takes, takes is a
0: really good way to explain it. I think,
2: <laughs> you know, it, it really incentivizes hot takes because then the people who see it are like, oh dang and they either retweet it to agree with it or I don't know if you've ever seen people like retweeting something to dunk on it to say like this is the worst thing well what you've done when you just did that was was promote it more you know you're sharing it to your followers Mm -hmm. and you're saying this is the worst thing but like it it then spreads more um so you know I I love I actually really support a lot of what Twitter does I think it's one of the best out of out of twitter facebook and reddit i think the fact that twitter is so um sort of single stream it doesn't have groups mm-hmm. it doesn't have subreddits like i think that's really interesting for getting people of different views to actually like see each other's views and see what each other is thinking um that's really cool it does actually though lead to more conflict on the site yeah But does that actually, like, you know, people call Twitter a hell site. People say Twitter is like, super upsetting to like spend time on twitter is where everyone
0: sort of like 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 the way i see it is like twit like so many people after um we did an episode where we talked pretty extensively about um tumblr and the porn ban um on tumblr and it it feels like a lot of people who were on tumblr sort of went to twitter and kind of like Mm. brought tumblr culture to twitter um and it's funny because it used to be that like the joke used to be that like tumblr was a hell site and now i think the joke has become that like twitter is a hell site as a result of that
2: yeah, but what it is not is insular. Yeah. What it is not like, you know, and and so you may come away feeling less li- like, you know, you might come away from Facebook having curated your feed way more to be only things that you agree with. And that's neat. Um, it makes you feel better. But do you come away from Twitter like actually having been exposed to new ideas? Perhaps. And I mm-hmm. think that's a really interesting feature of that site.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um jade i'm going to give you the opportunity to say the thing you wanted to say because if i don't like call you out you just won't say it and i need you to talk in this episode how
1: dare you (laughs) how dare you do that it's hard to interrupt okay um no yeah uh, you everything you're saying
0: is super interesting
1: um i only had a comment on reddit in particular um because it's Mm -hmm. it's it's something that i interact with the most and so i feel like i have a decent grasp on how they how they kind of approach things um as much as you could say that they've Like taken a stand um, to a degree, like they had their defining moment already. They're still, I would argue, pretty biased in the things they choose to censor or or not allow. Um, So, Mm. um, I'm going to call out a subreddit, and it's going to be terrible. I'm not, I don't like doing this, so I'm going to do it anyway. Are the Donald? Uh, Ah, quite. (laughs) It took years, like well, it took the last year to get them quarantined. Um, Yeah, where that subreddit was pure hate speech in vitriol mm-hmm. um and if, and if you like looked at it you can tell like the the vote mechanics of it were all just as biased as like our Pyongyang. um here we go again so like it looks like posts would have like a whack ton of comments you click on it there's like two um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel like not cracking down on that is a bit of a decision to like i'll let people think that these opinions actually have more more of a backing than they really do yeah. And like looking at Reddit's response to like the Hong Kong protests. Um mm-hmm. there were there were a lot of a lot of claims on like the comments during like when when those posts reached like the top of Reddit's RL, when they were like the highest mm-hmm. thing on the website. Um, a lot of the comments were complaining that like these posts get pushed down way more quickly um than you'd expect. And like I think
0: they're actually there's like no no, because no, there, there's like there's like multiple examples of website doing that websites doing that actually, because you, you described that and it reminded me of Tumblr and how, like, people always said that, like, the Black Lives Matter tags and, like, the and similar tags were constantly getting basically, like, they, like if they became unsearchable. Yes. Um, and you, like, could, literally couldn't find that content. Yeah.
1: I, I, I hate that Tumblr, like, like straight up blacklist tags at this point. Um, and they, I know they started doing it really only after the porn ban. But it's 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 kind of it's kind of wild what they're choosing. Like you're trusting that these companies yeah. are being honest and like they're they're allowing the speech they say they do, but then they just quietly stop it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I can speak a little bit on this. Uh, one, I mean one one caveat that I want to say to my earlier comments mm-hmm. is I do not in any way believe that. Any of these websites, including GitHub, uh, has figured this out. Of course. And has, is is perfect. Um, I definitely agree, like, Reddit took a really long time to quarantine R the Donald. I also can see maybe why that would have been really hard for them, right? Because the any claims by our actual President Trump that, like, websites are biased against him really does flame his base. Mm-hmm. And so you do want to, and I think Twitter did this. Relatively well, uh, a few months ago, made actually like really, really strong, really cross the board um, community guidelines, and and in their case, what the the community guideline that they ended up censoring one of his tweets around was inciting violence, mm-hmm. um, and so it do- it has taken years, and I think it probably will continue to take years uh, to really get it right to make community guidelines that, uh, help them actually like take the action that, that they want to take or, or, or even really figuring out what action it is that they want to take. Mm-hmm. So the other, I think that's the other thing I mentioned when I gave my little intro was like trust and safety and taught and thinking about what actions and what content are actually, harmful or beneficial to society is like an active area of research and an active area of like trial and error. Um So I, I want to let y'all go back to the thing that you were saying, but at some point, if we want to get into political ads, that is another thing that like is an active area of research right now. And and when I say research, I unfortunately mean like trial and error yeah. <laughs> using real democracy situations. Uh, we don't know we don't know what's the best thing to do
0: which like obviously makes sense because it is such a sort of complicated thing where like you have like like you think about the internet and it's this place where like so many people are interacting like there's bound Mm -hmm. to be like friction and conflict and you can't really like avoid that but at the same time it's like it is sort of scary to think that like it's trial and error but like what is at the consequence of that trial and error is like
2: real human beings oh my god so much so Yes. Uh, so, and that—that that is something that at least I and my network is like extremely cognizant of. Mm-hmm. I think it is unfortunate. Like, it is sometimes hard for me to see the benefits of technology moving as fast as it does, which I know is like a hot take as a software engineer. <laughs> um, although maybe not so much. There's, I think, there's I kind agree. of. <laughs> Two two <laughs> moods of a software engineer, either like, you know, technology is the future and disrupt the world. And, you know, I live in Silicon Valley. Um, and then there's like computers were a mistake. <laughs> like who, who, who among us thought we could make Silicon think and thought that that would be a good thing.
0: There's this there's this really good comedy hit by John Mullaney where he says, You spend most of your day trying to convince a robot that you're not a robot. Think about that for two seconds and tell me you don't want to walk into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> and that is sort of how I feel about it sometimes, where it's like, yeah, like like I think about the the sort of like ever-presentness of technology in our lives these days, and it's it it sort of feels like has this has this been worth it, actually?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing, um, around like active research stuff that I wanted to touch on is it's not always so I I definitely don't want to absolve all of these companies of malice and of laziness Mm -hmm. and of you know awful stuff that is I think pretty frequently attributed to like the CEOs of these companies Mm -hmm. um but also it's not always obvious what the right answer is and I think that that is still back to like political ads and specifically fact checking um so Facebook did some studies in fact-checking, and they found that when you fact-check certain things and say, like, actually, this is false or, like, actually, this has caveats or whatever and and put that little, like, banner around Mm -hmm. the post that says, like, you know, this has been fact-checked and doesn't look good, people will actually think that everything that doesn't have that banner then is gospel truth. Oh, no. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And man. so it's actually not obvious that like, and, and, you know, let's start from a place of assuming that it is impossible to actually fact check everything.
0: Yeah. Which I think it's fair to say that it is.
2: Yeah. yeah. Frankly with the tools and this, and, and like, you know, Facebook's not going to go around checking the like status that you made the other day, you know? <laughs> um. So, so that, that's what was happening. Like when they said, when they looked at um, fact checking political ads and they said like, hey, like, you know, we're just going to fact check political ads. Mm-hmm. People would think now everything else that doesn't have that banner is true. And and then, oh, and then the other thing that they found was that um, saying something was false, having a little banner that says, like, actually, this is fact check false, made the people who did, like, believe it dig their feet in further yeah that's and say, i think i think
0: that's the part i've heard about before about the digging yeah, their feet in further
2: yeah and say facebook is clearly just biased and they're clearly trying to silence the the silent majority of the right or whatever the Fake heck. news oh uh, um, boy yeah 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 and so and so it it further stirred up like it, it just didn't seem to be this obviously beneficial thing yeah mm-hmm. when when facebook actually studied it and tried a few different things so they're Final decision so far. Actually, I think they just changed it. But at the time, this, this was actually a really cool ethics class that I took that like um, we had representatives from Facebook and Twitter come in and and tell us all this. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they said that they had then decided just not to fact check political ads. And that was Facebook's stance at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Meanwhile, then Twitter's stance at the time was a totally different way to approach it of we're actually not going to run any political ads and we're not going to allow any political ads on our platform interesting and so yeah mm-hmm. and and like when they said that i was originally like heck yeah like let's do that like you know if you can't fact check political ads if you can't especially at the time like the trump campaign had run an ad that gave like the wrong date for the census or something like that interesting. It, or, or the wrong like there, there's been also some history of people running ads that like give the wrong polling place for people which is just like blatant voter suppression um yeah (laughs) and and so you know given all of that and assuming that you cannot perfectly fact check everything just because at scale like that becomes impossible i was like all right yeah twitter like you know that's a bold move and it's not one i thought i would have thought of but like sure let's try that um then some people pointed out unforeseen consequences. Now, like super grassroots organizations, very small, like movements can't purchase more influence by purchasing a political ad. And, and also like issue ads that are not by candidates, but who, but that are by, um, you know, just small movements are also not Mm -hmm. allowed. So it it turns out, uh, it's complicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it makes, oh, Jay, go
1: ahead. Oh, um, from the skeptical side Mm -hmm. of the world, in the case of Facebook, trusting their internal study on, on, on this information doesn't seem particularly smart considering when you hear about Facebook these days, it's usually the right wing side of things saying some nonsense. And again, all, all the, all of the relevant fact checking problems. Right. Um, If most of their user base is that, why would they want to have a study that says, "Oh yes, our 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 primary user base these days says a lot of terrible things," so we should try to give them like, why would why would they want to alienate them?
2: Is Mm. my point. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, It's it's possible that this person was straight up lying to us when they when they said that, or you know, skewing skewing the results.
0: Yeah, but actually to provide the counterpoint from the, I guess, maybe more optimistic or, I don't know, less skeptical or I don't know. I don't know what just to provide a counterpoint. But like, I think that like just hearing that behavior described, it sounds like human behavior. It very much sounds like human behavior. Like, 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 like you've seen like the anti-vax people who yeah. believe that like vaccines cause autism who will cherry pick like one source out of 90 like 99 sources say that it doesn't but they'll cherry pick like the one source that says that it maybe does like that that, that that i do sort of i do sort of see how like from what i know of like human behavior um like that that is kind of a thing that would happen and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me to hear it like s- to hear it said even if it's by facebook who like i, I obviously do not trust like it, it like it doesn't surprise me to hear that said and i think that there's definitely what I was going to say about like why this is obviously complicated is that because I think like there is no real accounting for like the nuances of human psychology. Mm. Um, Because like in an ideal world, like you would tell people like you would, you would show people something that like is, is obviously true. Like uh, let's, uh, let's take a, let's take a completely fake made up example that nobody would ever disagree with Um, that the earth is round. Um, You would say that (laughs) like, like you ideally in a world, you would say that, And with all of the empirical evidence, like, people would believe you, but they don't sometimes. And that's that's sort of, like, the frustrating part of it. Like, there's no accounting for, like, what it is that makes people, like, cling to these things that are not true, but that they've decided that they want to believe
2: in. Yeah. Frankly, QAnon exists and is rapidly gaining traction. And one of the things, for folks who aren't familiar, uh, QAnon is this, like... Incredibly complex conspiracy theory that boils down to like uh, people are running a, like like really prominent politicians are running a child trafficking sex. Ring. Ah, yes, mm. Uh, mm. it's it's really it's a whole lot of hooey in my personal view uh, and, and it is rapidly gaining traction on the internet such that we have congressional candidates. And I think uh one of the congressional candidates who is a QAnon believer just won her primary. Um oh, so God. like we may have QAnon believers in Congress. Um and part of like when when you get into conspiracy theories like QAnon, or I think at the time we were talking about anti-vaxxers, just mm-hmm. like you brought up. Um some folks like will use the fact that Facebook is trying to fact check this as further proof that it's true. Yeah. Mm. So not only do they dig like not only do they do their heels in, but they they actually like cause and effect, like use the fact that Facebook has said that this is false as evidence that it's true. Yeah. And so again, you circle back to like, you know, allowing for what Jade mentioned of like maybe this is all false. I I'm not sure. Um if it uh, taking it as true for a second like what do you do (laughs) from that you know if you're the person making the product decision and and we went through this in my ethics class if you're the person making these product decisions do what what do you do from there do you allow political ads on your platform do you not allow them do you allow them but you fact check them
0: (sighs) yeah yeah i can i don't know i can see how it would get complicated um but I guess speaking of uh, like, like on the same topic as ethics, just to be mindful of the time, I do want to talk about like the sort of privacy settings thing that you that you brought yes. up. um Because I do think that like, obviously, when you're when you have like a social media platform, it's not just about like users inter like users interaction with like ads and another 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 website generated content. I feel like it's also about the interaction that users have with each other.
2: Um, yes. Yeah. It's bringing it on home to (laughs) what I actually do and what I am appearing here to talk about. Yeah, of course.